White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, welcome in, welcome back. I am Chris Tannehill, one half of Locked On White Sox, just a good half. Uh, we had some technical problems here between myself and Herb Lawrence. Herb will be back tomorrow as we recap game one of the Kansas City series, which we'll preview in just a bit. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, The Sox were able to salvage one last night up in Milwaukee. Shout out to everyone who made the trip. We'll get to that in a second, but this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at the Locked on Prospects podcast. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game locked on mlb prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team that's locked on mlb prospects podcasts all right so there's a lot of stuff to get into here we'll talk about the milwaukee series in a second but have you guys uh, heard the good news have you Eloy's That's right, Eloy Jimenez is back in the lineup tonight. Man, this is just a remarkable turnaround time from this injury. I remember we sat there and listened to Rick Hahn talk about this injury uh, during spring training, and it seemed very, very, I don't know, unrealistic to think that he would be back by July 26th, and here he is, man. It's just, it's crazy. You know, some guys are just faster healers than others, you know, and thankfully there were no setbacks along the way. That's always what you worry about with these injuries is a setback along the way. You saw what it did to sort of mess up Adam Engel's season thus far with the injuries that he had in spring training and then the setbacks along the way. That's what I, I my concern about Luis Robert is going forward, but we'll just uh, continue to knock on wood uh, for Lou Bob there, and hopefully he's not far behind. But, yeah, man, Eloy's coming back, and, it, you know, it's just it's great. I, I didn't think he was going to be back at all, quite frankly. If I was, you know, general manager Rick Hahn, I was not going to factor Eloy Jimenez into my plans for 2021 because of that injury, and you never know how long it'll take him to come back. But here he is. So, you know, credit to Eloy and the training staff for getting him back out on the field, and credit to Eloy who put himself in this position, but obviously he followed the training regimen very closely and carefully and was uh, able to do things at the expected time frame. So, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to see Eloy back in that lineup tonight. I just think, you know, it'll not only be a boost from the offensive production standpoint, you know, get someone in that lineup who can crush right-handed pitching, but also just a, as from a morale standpoint, you saw what he does to that, that clubhouse. You know, you, you see – this uh, series with Milwaukee and guys like Willie Adamas, so, you know, who are just like, you know, the, the, the vocal th- you know, guys that are the, the glue guys, you know, keeping everyone light. Granted, didn't do much good last night. They, the Brewers lost. But, you know, just the, the White Sox dugout has seemed a little, I don't know, not, not lifeless. I don't want to say that. But it just seemed kind of just like, eh, and not even going through the motions because they're 19 games over 500. But just w- when you have a guy that's as beloved by everyone as Eloy is, it's going to be great to have him back in the lineup. So what you're asking is, how is he going to be 
used. Have, have they burned his glove yet? Well, here's Tony talking about it before the game yesterday. We expect Eloy to be in Kansas City tomorrow. We're flying in tonight, and uh, that's the case. I'll write him into the lineup tomorrow. Do you say Eloy would probably DH tomorrow, to clarify? No, I said um, he'll be in the lineup. Oh, shit. But I think we'll look and see it. Uh, you know, you got a left or right, left or right, afternoon right. What? So I think you got to factor in the weather, you know, hot and where you spot a guy here or there. So I just, you know, I think it's exciting enough for us to know he'll play tomorrow. Uh, he can play uh, left field or he could DH. And, and if he plays left field and Andrew plays first, maybe uh, Jose gets, a, you know, half a day off. So I swear I think you just keep the options open. You know, I think actions speak louder than words, and Tony not saying much there, but you will know when that lineup comes out how they feel about Eloy, you know, going forward in left field. I certainly hope that we don't see him out there unless it's a National League park or an absolute emergency. I know you can't avoid it completely, but I just, I you know, I, I don't want to see it. I'm sorry. We Herb and I have talked about it a ton. Andrew Vaughn's earned the right to stay out there. A really nice series defensively, yet again, for for Andrew Vaughn. Made a couple nice plays and a really nice moment there for Andrew Vaughn and Tim Anderson where Andrew Vaughn is coming in on the, on the fly ball to left. Tim Anderson's going back on it, and Andrew Vaughn, out, you know, he calls Tim Anderson. He said, no, I got it, and Tim Anderson has been able to back away and good communication there by those guys. Like, he's really learning how to play left field, and I just don't think that you take that away from him uh, at this point for Eloy Jimenez. And hopefully Luis Robert not far behind either, right? You know, he's had 12 at-bats in the minor leagues for the Winston-Salem Dash, and he's got three hits uh, with a 308 OBP and a 641 OPS. So, you know, doing well, and, you know, I think for him it's mostly about uh, getting endurance and getting his legs back under him. Um, but it's another guy. It's a quick healer. I would not expect him to be down there for too long. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting times, and this, this team is finally going to look like what we thought they were going to look like at the beginning of the year, hopefully with some additions. I mean, what do you what do you mean, Tanny additions? They they got two guys coming back right there. That's like a big trade, right? Right? Getting Eloy and uh, Luba back? No, no, not really. Not when you see what the Padres did yesterday. They landed themselves Adam Frazier from the Pirates. Pirates send over $1.4 in cash to help cover the salary, and in exchange, the Pirates get the Padres' number five ranked infield prospect in the system and two lower-level ranked prospects in their system. So three prospects, one top five prospect, go to the Pirates. And I got to be honest with you, I was, uh, you know, whenever you see the Padres in the mix in, and, you know, you're, they're going after a commodity the White Sox are, it's very triggering for us uh, as Sox fans, right? It's not the team that, that you want to see make that move, but credit to the Padres time and time again. They don't sit there and and, and rest on their laurels. You know, they, they have to compete with the Dodgers. So the Padres, a team not just trying to just settle. You know, they've already got a damn good team, but they're always trying to improve. They've got a really good farm system. They they practically do everything the White Sox don't do. They they spend money. They've they've kept the farm system in good shape for days like this. And, you know, they they make aggressive moves. You know, granted, they are in that division, like I mentioned, but, you know, that, that was a really good pickup for the Padres. Where they're talking about possibly having Adam Frazier play the outfield. We saw that in the uh, Pittsburgh series when the Sox were there. He certainly can do that. But the Padres acquire baseball's hit leader. And I, I do think the White Sox will make a move. We talked about Adam Frazier a ton. Not necessarily an ideal fit. 
um, in terms of beyond 2021 because Nick Madrigal will be coming back in 2022. And, you know, I, I would maybe be inclined to say, you know what, we'll acquire talent and let that stuff sort itself out later on. But apparently that was not Rick Hahn's uh, calculus there. And to be honest with you, I don't know if the White Sox had the prospect capital to make a move like this work. We'll find out in the uh, coming days if they were in on Adam Frazier. You hadn't heard anything. I still think they will make a move to address their need at second base. Eduardo Escobar still right there for you, providing that left-handed pop that you could use in the lineup. So uh, we'll have it all here this week as the trade deadline winds down and hopefully the Sox make a move early here and uh, sort of get, you know, we can stop sitting on needles and pins here waiting for them to make a move. I'm sitting here waiting like patience on a monument for the Sox to make a move here, for God's sakes. But Brewer Series, man, what a fun time that was. Took my dad up there on Saturday. We attended the Sox Machine 108 collaboration tailgate Freaknik. Um, that was just a good time seeing you guys out there. Uh, shout out to my guy who was wearing the, the Danny Parkins t-shirt. Uh, enjoyed that very much. Everyone else I got to talk to out there. Sam Mendelson. I uh, talked to him out there. He told me great stories about his uh, grandfather in the movie Casino. Uh, it's in his Twitter bio there if you want to check out Sam on Twitter. Uh, but it, just, it was a great time. Shout out to all the guys from the 108. Shout out to uh, Jim Margulis who made the trip. Got to meet him in person for the first time and Josh Nelson who was able to uh this you know this is what i can say about josh nelson he's the man that would give you the koozie out of his pocket that's what he did i asked him if there was any koozies left these uh commemorative koozies tanny stop saying koozies okay i will uh and so he said no but hold on and he pulls one out of his pocket so to speak and he gave me one and i'm sitting here holding it right now looking at it. it's a very fine looking beverage holder uh so yeah my dad and i went up there uh, you know, not a great game for the Sox on Saturday, nor was it on Friday. But you know, shout out to everyone who made the commute for all three games. I saw Jason Benetti and the and the crew from NBC Sports Chicago, Ryan McGuffey, Chuck Garfine. They all went up there tonight. Excuse me, last night looked like fun. Uh, Jason even got in on the radio action there with uh, Lennon DJ. But yeah, you know, just a great atmosphere. Lots of Sox fans up there. Hopefully, they'll stay packing the ballpark on the south side the rest of the season. But it's just a, it's a fun vibe. Love Brewers fans. They know that we're just guests up there, and we're not trying to start any trouble. Uh, you know, we're just trying to get up there and drink some beer and eat some brats and, and cheer on the White Sox. So that was a really good time that we had up there, and I know Herb had a good time as well. And yeah, I will say. I'm a hypocrite. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, I had more than my share of uh, moon men up there. Uh, New Glarus moon men. There was some at the tailgate. And, uh, you know, I made the joke on Friday's show about, you know, it being an inferior beer to Spotted Cow, which it is, but it was the one that was readily available. They even had it at the uh, the local draft section down there in uh, American Family Insurance Ballpark Field. Uh, they, they had that. I, I waited in line. The lines were kind of a mess this, this weekend, but I don't know if that's just everywhere where you can't get your favorite concession. I walked all around. I just wanted to get a, a local beer on draft, and I, I walked for seemingly hours trying to find one until I found that local brew station there on the lower level in the right field corner. But they had they had uh, New Glarus Moon Man there as well. 
And so I was not going to turn down a fresh new Glarus from the tap. So that was good. Cheese curds. Oh, folks, mercy. Those cheese curds. Absolutely delicious. But the Sox, uh, the story here is they were able to salvage the victory last night. And what an outing from Lance Lynn. You know, this guy is just the balls every time out, man. You know, we talk about what number one starters look like. We may not have thought this going into the season, but Lance Lynn is a number one starter right now. He's your stopper, and Carlos Rodon had that shaky outing on Saturday, but Lance Lynn comes through when you need the victory the most with six very strong innings, and of course, I've always been a fan of the pitcher hitting now that Herb's not here. I, I can finally uh, speak my truth and tell you how much I love the pitchers hitting. But Lance Lynn is able to contribute with the two RBI single in that ball game, which was the big difference in the game. And so he was just great. And Sebi Zavala uh, also, I mean, who else are you going to get offense from? Sebi and Lance Lynn. Uh, that's, that's how you drew it up here going into the season. But, you know, Sebi did a nice job also behind the plate catching Lance Lynn uh, and an erratic Michael Kopech, and of course Liam Hendricks with his nasty breaking stuff. Sebi just did a really nice job behind the plate. Really, uh, the the, uh, the the entire series when he was back there. So uh, kudos to Sebi and finally coming through with a big knock there in that ball game last night. But I'm really uh, turned on the podcast machine today to just something really made me upset this weekend. There was a really just thing that'll grind your gears. Yes, of course, I'm talking about Michael Kopech's plate appearance. What are you doing up there, kid? Come on, let's get up there and just take some hacks, man, and run a little bit harder to first base, bro. Respect 90, for Christ's sake. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, that made everyone nervous, I think, watching Michael Kopech out there with a bat. And he was shaky in his inning of relief, and I don't even want to get into the whole double switch thing. Frankly, it's going to give me a migraine if I try to walk you guys through the thought process of a National League ballpark double switch and what you do you know you keep Kopech in the game but you you pinch hit him maybe you throw Hamilton there uh you know but you want to keep Andrew Vaughn's bat in the game which is what Tony clearly wanted but either way it worked out at the end of the day it was weird you know you thought for sure Kopech was going to be able to finish that eighth inning considering he had to go up there and look ridiculous hitting uh with his uh with his arm brace there um you know that was funny I saw Beef Loaf mention uh channeling his inner uh, Barry Bonds there with the uh with the elbow guard so you know but Liam Hendricks comes on for that six out save and boy he was awesome getting it up to almost 101 last night in the in the ninth inning there just this is what we've been asking for the whole season right we, we talked about it on the show a ton but multi-inning high leverage Liam Hendricks and it's it's a victory they didn't absolutely need it but Cleveland won. They they came back to beat the Rays and Nelson Cruz, who is just hot as hell right now. And they they come back and they hold on to win. So the Sox needed to to hold serve and and keep their nine game lead uh, in the division. But I think it's important that you get a, a road win, salvage one of the three game series on Sunday Night Baseball in front of a national TV audience. And however you can get it, I'm all for it. So we'll see how Liam Hendricks is used the rest of the week here as we head to Kansas City. But he was just awesome. He was dominant. Coming off, off the mound in that eighth inning there, all fired up. Uh, I had no doubts there. I had some worries maybe uh, coming out for the ninth, how he would respond after uh, a somewhat lengthy top half of the ninth there. But uh, he came out and uh, responded and met the challenge uh, real nicely there. So a uh, tip of the cap to Liam Hendricks doing his thing. But there was something that, that really offended my baseball sensibilities this weekend. And I had a... Very close seat for it, but it was, of course, that Yohan Moncada play 
where he missed home plate. And this is another thing. I'm done with these National League games, by the way, in the National League ballparks. Not only do you have the exhausting double switch, but it just so happens that you have lots of bunting, and then you have the odd rules, and you know the, the whole Yohan Moncada missing home plate thing. Look, you know, uh, let let's let Tony talk about it here. This is Tony talking about that play on Saturday with the review, and ultimately it was Yohan Moncada missing home plate, taking a run off the board for the White Sox. If you knew he missed it. <laughs> I should go back and touch it. I don't know that, you know, I mean, he's there trying to avoid the te- everything's going on to throw from, you know, you don't know. And the guy's with, you know, part says safe. So I guess he assumed that he had touched it. Uh, it's, it's tough to fault him there. Just, I mean, it, you talk about that, the top of that inning and the bottom of the one before, there were a lot of weird stuff going on. Absolutely. And this is where I would ask Herb, you know, Tony says it's tough to fault him there, Herb. Do you agree? (laughs) And we both would unanimously say, yes, you can fault him there. That was a dumb play. You know, even all of us who have played baseball on the smallest of levels, you know that home plate, if you get there, make sure you touch it. It's the most important thing, scoring runs, right? And if you think you didn't touch it, how many times do you see? You go back and you touch it just for good measure. Also, you go back and touch home plate as well. But, you know, this is that's a really inexcusable play, I think, by Moncada, who's been great all year. And we don't really typically ride uh, the players, you know, for, for stuff like that. But to me, that was just so odd. Like, I, I had never seen anything like that in baseball where a guy came so close to – touching home play without touching it and then not going back. You know, usually if you touch home play, you know you touched it. And and I know the umpire called him safe, so maybe he felt, I know this happens to me all the time, like, you know, the self-doubt creeps in. Maybe he thought, okay, I I had to have touched it because I was called safe, but obviously not. And obviously the the odd mound visit uh, leading into the subsequent review, and then I thought maybe lawyer Tony was going to get us our, our run back uh, back on the board, but it was not the case. Uh, but it was just a really odd circumstance at the ballpark there. But it all comes out in the wash because he didn't touch home plate. The Sox didn't deserve to score on that play. I don't care how long they had to meet and convene and replay that, that video. He did not deserve to score that run there because he didn't touch home plate. Simple as that. So I guess closing thoughts on the Brewers series here as we turn the page and move on before Kansas City series, you know, it's what we said. Runs were going to be at a premium for the White Sox. Uh, I thought maybe the White Sox would hold them down from the starting pitching perspective a little bit better. Did not expect uh, Rodon and the bullpen to be as bad as they were this series. But, you know, it, it was a good test for the Sox. And, you know, they, they didn't pass the test with flying colors. You know, but a couple of things here or there break your, your way. And I know Friday had its issues with umpiring and, and things like that. And, and Bummer had an odd outing. But, you know, I, I think I wouldn't think any differently about the White Sox after this series. You know, we'd, you'd love for them to play better. But ultimately, you're talking about a nine-game lead here. and You're just taking days off the calendar. And you would like a better showing on the road. The Sox seem to not do so well on the road against good teams. Now, that does that mean I think they're not a good team and they're not – right where they belong in terms of those other teams in baseball? No, I just, you know, circumstances, you know, if you, if you could line things up ideally and you got, again, I want to see the way this team looks with their lineup intact and with whatever additions they're going to make. Yes, they do need help, but uh, this is, you know, just a disappointing series overall, but I don't feel any different way about the team. I still think they're one of the best teams in baseball, the White Sox are, but I will say the Brewers though, man, the Brewers, that, that pitching staff is legit, man. Like it was a treat watching those three 
guys out there uh, take the mound for Milwaukee. And they got a fun mix of guys, too, offensively. You know, obviously, you've heard a lot about the Adamas trade and what it's done for them. Uh, a nice pickup and Rowdy Telez also. Like that, they're, you know, making additions on the fly, you know, and I, I credit their front office for, for doing that. And they, they've, they're improving as we go here. That could be a scary team for someone to face in the national league, uh, in the postseason. I, I don't want to face them again, especially up there. That's for sure. Let's check out a voicemail before we get out of here. Shall we? It's been a while since we've uh, checked in on the lockdown white Sox voicemail. That's three, one, two, five, six, six, eight, seven, two, seven. That's three, one, two, five, six, six, eight, seven, two, seven. And what better way to start your week and recap a victory than none other than our guy. Hey there boys. It's Paul. Correct. Uh, Following a, uh, a a lovely little Sunday night win we, that we desperately needed, so um, fantastic stuff. Uh, couldn't it, if we get swept by the Brewers, uh, the, there's a lot of talk. Here's the thing. Here are the things I want to say. I'll do it quickly. First, after Lance after Lance Lynn's RBI double RBI single, uh, and when he was standing at first, I. Is there a chance that him and Rowdy tell us are maybe long-lost cousins? It's possible. Also, uh, what the hell is Tony La Russa doing batting Michael Kopech? And then finally, uh, god damn it, what was the last thing? <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, no, I know what it is. It's really important, actually. It's the most important thing. Watching the ESPN broadcast tonight... Eduardo Perez doesn't know what he's talking about. But the best part about it, I don't have to see those Allen Iverson uh, points that commercials. Get your bit fast. <laughs> Better than fast. Like, you have to watch 17 of those commercials. So at least I didn't have to do that. Good win. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Paul. Love you. Miss you. Thanks for checking in. Um, yeah, man. Um, the ESPN crew thing was weird because, you know, A-Rod does the A-Rod thing, but I do think the broadcast was a lot cleaner last night and, and easier to, to consume than a typical Sunday night broadcast is. Um, so, you know, Eduardo Perez did have a couple of things that you could tell, you know, Matt Spiegel coined the phrase out of town stupid. You could tell there, there was some of that going on, talking about leaving Brian Goodwin in the game for defensive purposes. No, 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 that ain't it, champ. <laughs> that really isn't. And you saw some of those plays out there to to uh, right center where Goodwin was not able to to corral that one that we were all saying on Twitter. Maybe uh, Luis Robert comes up with that one. But, yeah, there was a, a few clunky moments like that. But overall, Eduardo Perez does a, a nice job. Um, you know, and Matt Faskersian's a little bit, uh, you know, toned down version of, of what we usually get when he's with A-Rod. So, yeah, I thought they did an okay job. You know, it's never ideal. I don't prefer the White Sox to be on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I don't like a late night to, to end the week. So, you know, that's just me selfishly. But it's always good to get them in the national spotlight. And I thank you, Paul, for checking in as always. We'll take a quick time out and we'll honor Hall of Famer Hawk Harrelson. That's next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. 
line, money lines every night, over unders. It's all there for you if you enjoy betting on baseball at Bet Online. They've got all the other sports too NBA finals coming to a close, football futures, golf. I've talked to you about some of the crazy fun prop bets they have going on at Bet Online. Got some new ones here just added. Aside from the alien abduction props, which I always enjoy, they have who will Bill Gates date next? What about Jeff Bezos? Who will marry first, Bezos or Gates? You can place a bet on that. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website and use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hawk Harrelson was inducted finally to Baseball's Hall of Fame. He was the 2020 winner of the Ford C. Frick Award given to the most outstanding baseball broadcaster. Al Michaels was inducted for 2021. So it's a pretty good class. And Hawk finally gets in there. And look, you know, if you're a Sox fan, you know you feel a certain way about Hawk. You know, Jason Benetti has done a tremendous job. But that's how blessed we are as Sox fans to have the, the history of broadcasters that we have had, you know, Jason Benetti takes the torch from Hawk seamlessly, but Hawk just leaves the legacy behind. And so many of us still, uh, you know, we, we grew up watching the Hawkaroo and, you know, if you're like me, you grew up watching Hawk and Wimpy, you know, and maybe younger listeners, Hawk and DJ or Hawk and Stoney. But here's a man, when you look at what's, what it's, what it means to be a hall of famer. And I think Hawk embodies that because it's, it's, do you give more to the game than what you took from it? And and I think that can be said for Hawk in the broadcasting booth. We all know all the catchphrases and everything else that, that Hawk has added over the years, you know, duck snort, can of corn, all that good stuff. So, you know, I, I think he deserves to be there, and I'm so happy. I, I watched his speech, and, you know, it was really cool to see Darren Jackson there. Um, Bob Grimm was there, former White Sox employee. And Jerry Reinsdorf was there. Um, you know, so it was really nice of those guys to, to all show up, DJ and Bob Grimm, uh, to see Hawk be enshrined in Cooperstown. And of course, what does he do in his first moments here? I, I enjoyed this moment very much. And thanks for all the great people here at the Hall of Fame, and thanks for the tremendous accommodations that you provided and hospitality. But I got to ask Joe Torrey, I got to ask Joe Corey a question. How in the world did you ever leave the National League when you ran like Gus Triandos? <laughs> <laughs> Joe's not fleet of foot. Of course, talking about Joe Torrey, and uh, you say Gus Triandos. Where did I hear that name before? All you Wire fans are out there shouting at your uh, devices right now. Gus Triandos. Who's Gus Triandos? He's a catcher with the Orioles back in the day. I mean, my brother had his card. Sorry looking motherfucker, man. I mean, he looked like this little kid who got left at a bus station by, by his parents. You know why? Because he had to catch Hoyt Wilhelm's knuckleball. Five fucking years. The worst gig in baseball. It was like trying to catch a grease pig with wings. I mean, he even told a reporter once, Wilhelm nearly ruined me. Gus Triandos. Big slow guy. <laughs> Love that. So, you know, Hawk had, had a really nice speech where, you know, it was a lot shorter than I than I thought it would have been. But, you know, uh, it, you know, it was very anti-Hawk where you thought Hawk would go up there and really chew the scenery and enjoy his moment there. And I, I certainly hope he did. But it was a little bit different uh, wherever they were doing it from there. Uh, you know, not a big open air event like you normally your Hall of Fame would have with a big crowd. This was just friends and family, it looked like. Um, but Hawk did reveal 
Steel, the genesis of uh, one of uh, our favorite Hawkisms. This ball game is Ova. And uh, here's a little clip that I selected just with, with Hawk talking about the lineage of, of that story, where that phrase came to be, and uh, the end of his speech here. I, I have compiled it in a couple-minute clip here. I hope you guys enjoy If you did not have a chance to hear Hawk's speech yesterday, here it is. And talking about certain the beauty of the game, you know, I'm going to talk to the commissioner and Joe because of the fact you guys have got to do something about scheduling 5 o'clock games in California, especially when Nolan Ryan was pitching. The only reason Joe did it because he didn't have to hit against him anymore. But talking about that, we had a center fielder, a rookie center fielder named Ralph Gar, and he had never faced Nolan. So before the game, Nolan's out there taking his warm-up, tosses Gar's, walking up and down the dugout, says, all right, guys, come on now. I heard this guy's overrated. Let's, let's get to him. I'll get on, and you guys find a way to get me around. So. Ralph, little left-handed hitter, goes up there, and Nolan's first pitch right here, you can't see diddly squat. First pitch right here is 101. Ralph didn't move. Next pitch he threw him right here is 101. He didn't move. Next pitch he threw him right here was 102. And the only movement was when he turned around to go back to the dugout. So he goes back to the dugout, he puts the bat in the rack, takes off his helmet, and says, boys, this ball game is over. <laughs> And that's about the way it was, too, with Nolan Ryan out there. But I've had a great career. I've been blessed. I was a great athlete. And I had some great help in the booth. And I'm going to end this right now so we can keep on with the program. This is my favorite. This is my favorite toast. I gave this at Arnold's 80th, Arnold Palmer's 80th birthday. And after it's over, he hugged me and he said, thank you, Hulk. And you know where the toast is? When you take a man's money, you take a man's money. But when you take a man's time, you take a part of his life. And I want to thank you all for all the parts of eight decades of your time. Thank you very much. Eight decades in baseball and now Hawk Harrelson enshrined in Cooperstown. I'm looking forward to getting back there. Uh, sometime in the near future and, uh, and seeing the plaque and seeing his photo in the broadcaster's wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And by the way, pick those names up there, Hawk. Uh, you know, <laughs> typical Hawk fashion. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, Arnold Palmer's 80th birthday. I, I love that. I met Hawk once. It was when uh, the documentary was premiering for NBC Sports Chicago, the Hawk documentary. There was a press event, and I was able to go up there and talk to him for a second and, uh, and, and shake his hand and, uh, you know, um, it was a very brief uh, interaction, but I'll cherish that photo I took with him forever, uh, I do suspect. And, you know, there was uh, many times that, you know, you, you cross paths in the bowels of the ballpark and he'd always uh, call everyone big guy. And, uh, you know, if he didn't know your name, he'd say, hey, big guy, you know, he, Hawk would come just, you know, screaming out of that uh out of that tv booth to get down in the car as soon as that ball game was over you know it would be a race between uh hawk and gene honda as who was going to get out of there uh the fastest so you'd see hawk coming down the stairs hey take care big guy you know so i do miss seeing hawk at the ballpark uh but congratulations to the hawkaroo being enshrined in cooperstown take a quick time out Preview the Royal Series next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to sign up for the email and text alerts with Built Bar like I did because then you won't miss out on limited flavors like what they have right now. Grasshopper 
Cookie. It's Built Bar's version of the classic Thin Mint Cookie that you guys all know and love. All the flavor without that sugar, just 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just 5 grams of sugar. I'm down 24 pounds now thanks to Built Bar. Been getting those bad sweet treats out of my life, replacing them with Built Bars, and it's worked great. As a matter of fact, I just got my shipment in of my new favorite flavor, German chocolate. They are outstanding. They're 180 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar, and just 4 grams of net carbs. And I only got them because I signed up for their email and text alert. So as soon as my favorite flavor was back in stock, and that's the thing about a lot of these flavors, they sell out quickly. I was able to get in there and get my box of 18 before I go on vacation. So now I won't be without them even on vacation. And there's flavors for everyone at BuiltBar.com. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream. There's so many different flavors, an endless variety of flavors depending on what your tastes are. So order today, get the grasshopper cookie or even raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that cool? Go to Built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Wrapping it up here. Thank you for enduring me solo here. Uh, You know, Herb will be back with me tomorrow. Uh, and we'll recap the Game 1 of the Royals series. And on the bump for the White Sox will be, uh, it's going to be a battle of lefties down there in Kansas City. It's going to be Dallas Keuchel going up against Mike Miner. Keuchel 7-3 with a 4-2-2 ERA. Mike Miner 7-8 with a 5-4-5 ERA. So the Royals, man, they're always, you know, they played the Brewers pretty tough last week. So they always will will play the Sox tough. We know that. But Eloy Jimenez is coming back. Good God. Thank the Lord. We'll finally get to see Eloy back in his red batting gloves. And he's undead. Is it zombie Eloy? Do anyone ever factor that? Because Eloy was dead. Jose Abreu basically was, they were treating him like he was dead early on in the season. And now he'll be resurrected. Um, So it'll be fun to see Eloy back in the lineup. But Herb will be back tomorrow to recap that one and i thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me today big week ahead trade deadline week we will of course uh, break in with any special shows not an emergency show but if a a trade breaks we will have an episode dedicated entirely to it even if that falls uh, over the weekend here as trade deadline coming up on the 30th which is a friday so uh, we will, uh, you know, maybe have a recap on Saturday if it's a big trade. So you, you usually our Friday shows in the books by then, but we'll see how this uh, thing goes here, man. I don't think Rick Hahn is going to stand pat here, uh, even with his two acquisitions, uh, so to speak, with Eloy and Lou Bob coming back soon. I don't think he will sit on his hands. I think Rick Hahn is smart enough to know the opportunity that is at hand here. And this Brewer series really was another one of those wake-up calls like, that the roster is screaming at you. These are our needs. These are our weaknesses. More help in the bullpen. Uh, another left-handed bat. You know, a viable defensive option at second base every day. So hopefully those things do get rectified and we'll break it all down if they do. That's all I got. I'm Chris Tannehill. 
Herb will be back with me tomorrow. That's all I got. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Hit up the voicemail during the game. Anything you see out there that, that strikes you one way or another, 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. I'm Chris Tanhill. This has been Locked on White Sox.